Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. Pigs fly as the Pentagon gets audited. We've got that story plus artificially intelligent suicidal tendencies detecting algorithms. But first, via the AFP and tweeted by our good friend and video editor at Brock West, the World Bank will stop financing oil and gas exploration and extraction from 2019. It announced Tuesday, December 12th at a climate summit seeking to boost the global economy's shift to clean energy. Quote, the World Bank Group will no longer finance upstream oil and gas after 2019, it said in a statement in Paris where world leaders sought to unlock more money for the shift away from earth-warming fossil fuels. The move, it said, was meant to help countries meet the greenhouse gas curbing pledges they had made in support of the 2015 Paris agreements. The bank also announced it was on track to meet its target of 28% of its lending going to climate action by 2020. It is all about the lending, isn't it? Plus maybe some carbon indulgences to kind of cash in at the Church of Climate Control. Right, James? Yes, exactly. In fact, you hit on the exact same part of this story that I think is important. I mean, obviously, there's a lot to talk about with the specifics of the oil and gas industry and moving away from that in terms of the infrastructure and development financing and all of that. But perhaps more importantly, what this story speaks to is the underlying proposition that fundamentally it is the banks, the World Bank and others that really direct entire industries. They direct the development of future infrastructure that becomes the way our economies are structured, that becomes the way our lives are structured. So when they want to pump the oil and gas industry, they finance that, they make sure the money's flowing, they make sure the infrastructure support is there so that highways can be developed and all of that, so that that, then our lives get structured around that way of life and we all need to have a car and we all need to be buying gas from, you know, one of the seven sisters or whatever, because that's the way the 20th century was plotted out for, for it to function for people in the developed world. Well, the 21st century, as you know from Why Big Oil Conquered the World, we're heading towards the world of the environmental, oh, it's for the earth, it's the green movement. So they are taking that financing out of the oil and gas existing infrastructure, and they're starting to shunt that off into the the green economy, the economy for the 21st century, which we know is going to be the technocratic, completely controlled smart grid economy. And it's all for the earth and it's all pleasant. But the underlying principle here is it is the financiers who are directing this and they are really structuring the future of society with the investment decisions that they are making right now. And that's an extremely important thing for us to think about. Who controls the money controls the development of our society. And if our money is fiat government issued, um, that the banksters are basically the banksters plaything, then they are the ones who get to decide which way our entire society is being structured. And we've been following this story, you know, for with all these developments that we've seen, James, not only over the last few weeks, but months and even over the last couple of years, 2020, Vision 2030, Agenda 2030. And this all kind of comes out and has the nice kind of shiny, happy left cover PR sheen, just like the, the Rockefellers are going to divest from oil and everybody felt great about it. Uh, James, as I was just typing out, making a little bit of notes. My computer doesn't like the word oligarch, so I'm going to have to uh, add, add that to its dictionary. As we move to our second story this week on New World Next Week, episode 331 via the Free Thought Project, the Defense Department is starting the first agency-wide financial audit in its history. The Pentagon's news service said this week, announcing that they are finally going to follow through with something they have promised to do for years. 
beginning way back in 1996. All federal agencies were mandated by law to conduct regular financial audits. However, the Pentagon has never, ever complied with that federal law in 20 plus years. It's never accounted for the trillions of dollars in taxpayer funds it has spent in part because fudging the numbers has become standard operating procedure. Over the last 20 years, the Pentagon has broken every promise to Congress about when an audit would be completed. Director of Audit the Pentagon, talking to The Guardian earlier this year. Meanwhile, Congress has more than doubled the Pentagon's budget. Sidebar, of course, the new latest NDAA gives, of course, extra trillions and trillions to the military as we continue to fill the swamp. Phony left, phony right, doesn't matter. In what will likely be an immense and highly politicized dogs and pony show, the Pentagon is now claiming this will start immediately. Quote, beginning in 2018, our audits will occur annually with reports issued November 15th. End quote. The Defense Department's comptroller and Grover's little brother, David L. Norquist, said. And it wasn't long before this yearly custom became an annual tradition. James. Ha ha ha. Yeah, insert your joke here. I mean, that's the the point of this story. As that article details, as has been detailed many times in many places, of course, this is the ongoing, never-ending issue. 21 years they have been federally mandated by federal law to actually audit their books and have failed to do so. They've promised many, 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 many times in those 21 years, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it this year, we'll do it next year, oh, it'll take a few years. It has never eventuated yet, so... I'm not exactly holding my breath that we're going to see a real, full, independent accounting of all of these books by 2018. Yeah, as if. But um, I'm sure they'll put out some sort of report that will say something or other. But how much of it is just going to be more fudge? I mean, we all know they're not exactly going to uncover the secrets of the 8.5 plus trillion, however much it is at this point. I think people have lost count. Um, So uh, for people who do need that background and don't know about this issue, just Uh, I'll I'll throw in some links to several things that I've done over the years keeping track of this issue and uh, the missing trillions. But um, for those of you who are informed, I'm going to do something a little bit special here. Uh, For Corporate Report members, please log into the website and in the comments section, leave your funniest future headline about how you think this story is going to play out in 2018. Uh, The person with the funniest future headline, predict the future of what this will look like when they actually come out with whatever report they do or don't come out with, whoever leaves the funniest headline will uh, receive a free Corbett Report DVD of their choosing. So let's make make some something out of this, at least make a joke out of it. (laughs) We've got fudge and we've got contests here on New World next week. James, this week, I don't have Choose Your Own Adventure, but I do have a bonus questions for Corbett. I found myself in doing the show prep just getting lost in all the citations on History Commons and the complete 9-11 timeline. So I'll pose to you really quickly, as if this is a real quick question, where did the alleged Flight 77 hit the Pentagon on 9-11? Well, whatever happened at the Pentagon, and I don't know, but whatever happened, one of the offices that was affected was the Office of Resource Services Washington, which was a 65-member civilian accounting team that was working on the problem of the missing trillions. And 34 of those 65 uh, civilian accountants died on September 11th, 2001. So, potential future headline for 2018 that might not be so funny, but, you know, uh, accounting team at Pentagon ends up mysteriously vaporizing or something along those lines. Mm. That's true. So, yeah, we'll have to see. November 15th, 2018. 
we'll see. We'll see what comes down. Our third and final story this week was tweeted to us using hashtag New World Next Week by Eve on the tweets at BanterGranter, who pretty much broke this third and final story down thusly. Facebook uses AI to monitor ways people subconsciously use their smartphones. Now, as the journal Nature writes, a growing number of researchers and tech companies are beginning to mine social media for warning signs of suicidal thoughts. Their efforts build on emerging evidence that the language patterns of a person's social media posts, as well as the subconscious ways they interact with their smartphone, can hint at psychiatric trouble. Businesses are just starting to test programs to automatically detect such signals. MindStrong, for instance, is developing and testing machine learning algorithms to correlate the language that people use in their behavior, such as scrolling speed on smartphones, with symptoms of depression and other mental disorders. The company will expand its research to focus on behavior associated with suicidal thoughts, which could eventually help healthcare providers detect patients' intentions to harm themselves more quickly. And just a few weeks ago, Facebook announced that in much of the world, it was rolling out its own automated suicide prevention tools. Tech giants Apple and Alphabet Incorporated, of course, are pursuing similar ventures. Now, if I didn't know better, I'd suspect that some sort of brave new world like technocratic medical panopticon was maybe being erected all around us. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the obvious outtake of this. Obviously, this is some kind of, you know, there's so many different issues here, but the machine learning algorithms that are going to be the pre-crime policemen of the future that are going to be spotting whether you're going to commit suicide or whether you're going to commit a murder or whether you're going to, oh, it looks like he's getting ready to do something. We better go nab him. And I think we all see how that can play out. But I think the interesting underlying aspect of this story for me is what it says about privacy. Because we think in this day and age, of course, we are always talking about privacy invasion and that sort of thing in terms of, yeah, they're watching what you type, they're watching the emails you send or or, or things like that. They can read you know, your emails, they can listen to your Skype calls, that, that kind of thing. But this is much, much, much creepier than that. And I hope people understand pointing out this isn't just about what you are sending in a text. This isn't just about the words you're using. It's about that too. But it's also about subconscious habits and the ways that you interact with your fondle slab, like scrolling speed, can somehow determine what your psychological state of mind. This gets into the psychographics area where they're trying to psychologically profile people based on all these different pieces of data, including things you wouldn't even begin to think about thinking about if you were designing a system like this, or if I was. But things like the the speed at which you're scrolling on your screen can indicate something about your psychological state of mind. This is privacy invasion in a way that we don't even think about. Uh, privacy about the ways that we use our in, our devices can give away information about us and our state of mind, or at least they want us to believe it can. And that is pretty chilling. Um, again, this goes so deep into the the nature of things, and combine this with the story that I I tweeted uh, out a week or two ago about uh, guess what? Yeah, every major website is tracking everything you do on their website. Not just you know if you search for something, they're not just tracking that term that you search for. They're tracking your mouse pointer and where it goes on the screen and when and where you click and how quickly you scroll through the website. All of that is being tracked, database, logged, data mined right now. Why? Why are they so hungry for that much level of detail about you? They are building psychological profiles of everyone online. This is, again, this is a privacy invasion that most people aren't even thinking about. And I think 
stories like this can at least help bring these, this uh, information to the fore. Well, it's, it's almost like data is maybe the, the new um, oil. oil. Yeah. I think so. Now, you were getting at something, and this is what I thought you were going to say when you were mentioning, mentioning some tweets there. And I was glad to see it actually on your tweet feed. It's a story I've been talking about in the Media Monarchy Kingdom. And it is sort of the, this normalizing of the complete destruction of privacy. Spotify, Netflix, essentially using their inside data that they have to do funny advertising and PR pitches about, oh, you've watched that movie a lot. Is, is something really wrong with you? Ha ha ha. In a, in a way, it's kind of shaming the people. It's in the case of Netflix, it's their stupid movie that they're making fun of people watching it, you know, 13 times a day or whatever thing. Again, it's these little funny, humorous ways that they kind of roll it out and will, again, include everything that we say and play in these episodes down in the show notes, like the Netflix and Spotify stories. And we'll also include some of the research that they are referencing from this journal, Nature, with a PDF called, quote, Responding to Concerning Posts on Social Media, Insights and Solutions from American Indian and Alaska Native Youth. Because that's who they've done the research on so far, interestingly enough. Now, I talked about this story on the November 28th edition of my live Morning Monarchy broadcast. Facebook rolls out AI to detect suicidal posts. It's right after I covered the story. Peter Thiel sells 73% of his remaining stock in Facebook. And just before I covered the story about teenage depression and suicide are way up. And so is smartphone use. Now, I also mentioned it again, along with a possible solution at the very end of my latest episode of Good News next week. Troubles growing for GMO peddlers. A judge returns $92,000 stolen by cops under asset forfeiture. Monsanto's GM cotton is not good today, not good tomorrow. And one woman wins her fight against the biometric beast. I stream news, music, and more Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 Pacific time at MediaMonarchy.com slash listen. I'd love your support at MediaMonarchy.com slash support, where you can help us out via high-tech cryptocurrency or just good old-fashioned post office box. Another way you can support our work, and in closing, one last bit of good news that you might not have heard yet. James, I don't know if you even caught this down in the show notes. Patreon announced earlier today that due to the huge backlash, they are backing off their controversial fee changes for now. Anyway, now, James, do you have some ideas sketched out for our yearly custom next week's grand finale, New World Next Year 2018 episode? I sure do. And barring the advent of World War III on Monday or something, I think I know what is going to be the story of the year, and I think I know what's going to be the trend for next year. So I'm looking forward to hearing your take on that as well. Are you ready? Have you got your shirt ironed and uh, have you got your wife to tie your tie for you? I, I, I might have to get my neighbor Jeff to tie the tie for me, and I've got a few spitball ideas about the stories of 2017 and the trend of 2018. Looking forward to it, and I hope everyone else is too. So uh, until then, thank you for three great stories. Thanks, buddy. Take care.